Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to read to you some things out of Jerusalem that's happening over there. They now have produced a bulletproof backpack to protect children in school. Wow. Well, in looking at the thing, it looks more like a a uh, bomb pack to me. It's uh, rather bulky looking, but it's supposed to protect kids, so that's good. Hamas creates new unit to attack Israel. Great, just what we need. Israel to Assad. Nice palace. But right outside the door, there's a uh, crater made by a bomb. Wow. Says um, Israel on Monday appeared to intimidate Syrian dictator Bashar Assad when they published clear satellite imagery of his presidential palace. Israel is admitted to carrying out no fewer than 200 airstrikes against military targets in Syria over the last 18 months. So publishing spy satellite imagery of Assad's home was a not-too-subtle warning to Syria, to the Syrian leader, to stop working with forces dedicated to Israel's demise. A photo of Assad's uh, palace was published by the Defense Ministry to mark the 30th anniversary of Israel's first orbital launch. Wow. And it shows a picture of the whole complex. This thing is huge. And that uh, that crater came pretty close to the complex, but it actually isn't uh, right by his house or anything. It's quite a uh, look. It looks like a little city, really. But anyway, another headline reads: Israel may not have given nuclear intel to Iran, or on Iran to IAEA. The International Atomic Energy Agency said Russia's permanent res- uh, representative to the agency, Mikhail Yulanov, I have no information that the Israelis have already handed over their materials to the IAEA. Here's another headline Russia military aircraft vanish near Syria during Israeli airstrikes. Another one reads Trump does not have a problem with West Bank settlements. Wow. Netanyahu will not repeat the mistakes of 1973. And this is a very apropos uh, time to be talking about this because tomorrow, actually starting this evening, is the Day of Atonement. It's a day of fasting for the Jews and for anybody else that wants to celebrate what's written in uh, Levitic, excuse me, Leviticus 23. I just want to go there for a second. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 23. It's where all God's holy days are listed. Um, let's see, we're going to go down to verse... 
23. How hard is that to remember? Here's what it says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the, uh, the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath. It uh, should be a solemn rest unto you. A solemn rest. What's wrong with that? A memorial of blowing of trumpets. This is leading to the Day of Atonement in verse 26. You shall do no servile work there, and this is the Day of Trumpets. Solemn rest. Then in verse 26, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Also in the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a Day of Atonement. So in the seventh month on the first day is trumpets. On the tenth day... That's starting this evening. There shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your lives, that is, fast, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you, before the Lord your God. Now, to me, atonement means at one We are to become at one with God. Nothing wrong with that. For whatsoever life or person it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day shall be cut off from among his people. And whosoever uh, does any work in that same day that same person will I destroy from among his people. That sounds pretty serious to God. And if it's serious to him, why isn't it serious to us? Verse 31, You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. Another rest, ten days after the trumpets. Cool. I mean, I like rest. Rest is good. And you shall afflict your lives. Now, other translations reveal that the way you do that is by fasting. In the ninth day of the month, at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Unquote. So are we to keep that today? Well, the Jews certainly do. They most certainly do. That's their most solemn of all days. But they're not going to let down their guard, according to Netanyahu. Here's what he says. On the eve of the 45th anniversary of Yom, the Yom Kippur War since 1973, and I was alive back then. I remember the headlines. I was on St. Pete Beach that day with my little son, Daniel. Uh, he's not little anymore, by the way. 45 years ago, he's now 45, or, or actually more. But anyway, on the eve of the 45th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told his cabinet 
on Sunday that Israel will never repeat that mistake, the mistake it made in 1973. Forty-five years ago, our intelligence misjudged the war intentions of Egypt and Syria, Netanyahu said, referring to the um, intelligence assessments at the time which ruled out an Egyptian and Syrian attack. And we're quoting here, he says, When their intentions were finally clarified beyond any doubt, and when the danger was already near, the political sphere committed a serious mistake by not approving a preemptive strike. Uh-oh. We will never repeat that mistake Again, he said, according to the minutes of the cabinet meeting six hours before the Yom Kippur War broke out in 1973, Prime Minister Golda Meir, and I remember Golda, um, and Defense Minister Moshe Dayan, I remember him too, he had a patch over his eye, opposed a preemptive strike, even though at the time Israel Israel had intelligence about an imminent Egyptian and Syrian attack. And it shows a picture of Israeli artillery during the Yom Kippur War provided by Flickr. Um, Records published eight years ago indicate that when the IDF chief of staff, David Dado Elazar, Elazar, raised the idea of a preemptive strike and said that such an attack would provide Israel with a great advantage and save many lives, we can wipe out the entire Syrian Air Force by noon, he said. We need another 30 hours to destroy the missiles. If they plan to attack at 5 p.m., the Air Force will operate freely against the Syrian army. This is what we can do. Meyer said she was tempted to do so, but the decision could wait for several hours until there is a dialogue with the Americans. Diane strongly opposed a preemptive strike, even if it would last only five minutes. And there's a picture of Moshe Dayan with his patch over his left eye and sitting beside, um, who is that? Sheikh Abu Rabia during a break at the Knesset meeting on the interim agreement, September 3rd, 1975. Hmm. Dayan also opposed calling the reserves as Elazar suggested, saying it was important for the world not to blame Israel for starting the war. Politics. Israel is constantly working to prevent our enemies from arming themselves with advanced weapons, Netanyahu said, referring to um, Israeli military actions to prevent Iranian entrenchment in Syria and the shipment of advanced weapons to Hezbollah in Lebanon. The country's red lines are clearer than ever. 
and its determination to apply them is even stronger than ever, he added. Referring to the nearly 2,700 Israelis killed during the Yom Kippur War, Netanyahu said the country must do everything possible to prevent the war, and the victims of the war destroyed the, the lives of their families and are an open wound in the heart of the nation. But Netanyahu added, if war is imposed on us, we must do everything to win it with minimal loss. During the meeting, Netanyahu also also addressed reports that the Israeli army is considering allowing terrorists to apply for reduced sentences. I strongly oppose that, he said. I know that this is also the position of the defense minister, and so it is not going to happen. Wow. So there's some scary stuff going on in Israel right now. I mean, they are tensed up, tensed up because of what could happen again. So it's scary times right now. And we all need to be aware of what God said in his word. Isn't that the purpose of prophecy? So that we're aware and prepared and able to prepare? What if we didn't have prophecy? If we didn't have prophecy, we would not be ready for Jesus' return, for one thing. We would not be ready for an attack against the United States or wherever you're at in the world. So the purpose of prophecy is to get us ready, to be prepared. Now, did Jesus happen to say anything about that? Let's see. We know he he told us to take heed so that no one would lead you astray. That's in verse 4 of chapter 24 of Matthew. One of the premier places in the Bible that talks about preparedness and uh, what's going to happen down the road a little bit. In verse 33, he says, So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it, the war, is near, even at the doors. Verily or truly I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things are are fulfilled. And he also said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, is written in the uh, King James. I personally think it means, or should have been rendered, heaven and earth might pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour no man knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the days of the uh, the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until that flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And get this in verse 42. Watch you therefore... For you do not know 
the hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the good man or master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore you also be ready. For in such an hour as you do not think, the Son of Man comes. I just want to make a comment right here on this. A lot of people seem to think that it's at an hour when you don't expect it. That's not what he said. He said, as you think not. What if it's like this? The world becomes so very bleak and hopeless because of its condition, the condition that this war, World War III, if you will, the end of the world war, puts the earth in, will be so depressing and so scary and so irretrievable. In other words, we can't get back what we had, what we lose, that people will not think Jesus is coming back at all. At such an hour when you don't think. Let's see what other translations say in there. Matthew 24, 24. And the NIV, for example, says, I meant 44. Matthew 24, verse 44 says, So also you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So he's not expecting, or we should not be expecting it at that time. Well, when people are uh, devastated, ruined, hungry, tired, hot, thirsty, scared, they're not expecting to be saved. They're expecting to die. And that's the condition we're going to be in. Now, I'm going to read to, the, to you what um, James Moffat said back in, when was this, early 1900s? 1922, he was an atheist who set out to prove the world was wrong and that the whole thing was a lie. But by the time he finished his work in translating the Bible word for word as faithfully as he possibly could, he was convinced otherwise. I find that rather fascinating. So let's go to uh, Matthew 24 and verse 44 in the Moffat translation. If you're, if you're savvy enough to get one, you can find them on eBay or someplace like that. But they're hard to come by, honestly. But here's what he says. So be ready yourselves, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect that's interesting. So, but let's back up to 42. Keep on the watch then, for you never know what day your Lord will come. 
But be sure of this, that if the householder had known at what watch in the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the watch. He would not have allowed his house to be broken into. So be ready yourselves, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, where there, or where is the trusty and thoughtful servant whom his Lord and Master has set over his household to assign them their supplies at the proper time? Blessed is that servant if his Lord and Master finds him so doing when he arrives. Translation in our day? Well, be ready and don't stop. Keep doing it until your master arrives. Let him find you working and being alert. I tell you truly, he will set him over all his property. But if that bad servant says to himself, My lord and master is taking a long time. I'm tired of waiting. And if he starts to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, that servant's lord and master will arrive on a day which, or when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know. Sharply will he punish him and assign him the fate of the impious. There men will wail and gnash their teeth in anger, in other words. And that's the end of chapter 24. I tend to like um, James Moffat's translation pretty well. It's interesting. It's more up-to-date than the King James by far. And uh, he's got an interesting twist on it because he's trying to be as faithful as possible. He's not interjecting anybody's ideas or religion. It's not a Catholic dogma that gets placed in there because the translators were all Catholic or Anglican. No, no, no. He was just as pure and simple and straightforward as he could get. That's great. I love the Moffat. James Moffat, M-O-F-F-A-T-T. And, uh, yeah, it was published in 1922. But anyhow, let's see what the new King James has to say there. Matthew 24 In verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a a faithful and uh, wise servant, whom his master has made ruler over his household, to give them food in the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, shall find so doing. Assuredly, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him. You see, they're not looking for him because they've given that belief and idea up that he's not coming back. That's my take on this. And at an hour 
or that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, it's not just, or it's not because they're burning alive forever in hell. No, it's because they're angry. They're afraid. They're mad, and they gnash their teeth at God. We are the children of God. We are a bride of Christ, a helper of Christ, a help meet, a help suitable. And we're doing it in preparation for the kingdom of God. Notice chapter 25. These are the words of Jesus, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Are you ready as a bride to meet your bridegroom? Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil alongside with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, when they may not have uh, expected him, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, No, lest there should not be enough for either one of us. But go rather to those who sell and buy some. Like they're going to be able to go down to the 7-Eleven and buy it at night, right? Well, no, but maybe they could find somebody willing to sell them some. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those that were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Let us in, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Unquote. And then he says, this is Jesus. He said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And that's the end of verse 13. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we all All of us who love prophecy and who love Jesus should not give up. Not until we see Jesus or the day we perish or die and uh, we're resurrected instantly into his presence. And that's the way it'll be for many of us, maybe for me too. But either way, we'll be there with him. So don't give up until you see Jesus. He is coming. Don't stop believing that. It's the truth, and it is reality. And it's like this. Look, if he doesn't come back, no flesh will be saved alive. Where's that? Well, let's go back up to uh, verse 18 
Well, actually, let's start in uh, 15. Matthew 24:15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down into the house to get anything out. Let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. And woe be to the pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. It would be terrible to have to run and do that at the same time. And pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. And no, shall no, it will never be repeated. And unless those days were shortened, get this, Verse 22, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I want to read that in Moffat. Matthew 24, verse 22, in the Moffat translation, says this. Had not those days been cut short, not a soul would be saved alive. However, for the elects, or the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. I love his translation. It's really excellent. James Moffat. At any rate, it's time to go. Read your Bible and get prepared. That's the key to this whole thing. And don't give up until you see Jesus face to face. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Tune in to my website, if you like, itellwhy.com. You can read my eight books there. You can watch the videos at Build Faith. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.